What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to All the Smoke, a production of The Black Effect and Our Heart Radio in partnership with Showtime. Welcome back to another episode of All the Smoke Season 3. You good? You ready? Ready to roll. Let's get it, man. We got a very special guest today. One of my brothers, someone who I look up to in the space. Hold on. Don't let me hang you. Yeah, someone, I'm, I'm a part of the team right now, Someone man. I look up to in the space who is continuing to open up doors, break down walls, yeah. raise the bar in this entertainment space that he's come for in the Hollywood movie space. Uh, welcome to the show. Deion Taylor. All right, man. Thank you for having me. What's up, brother? brother, How are you? Appreciate you, Man, I'm great now. I'm here. We're here. here. We finally got you here, man. We appreciate it. How did we meet? I don't recall how we met. Do you remember how we met? In passing? Through Bobby? Might have been through Bobby first. Through Bobby Jackson? Yeah. And then we just developed... Or even Chris Webber. Some in that world. Some of the Kings world. Yeah. Yeah. Got a chance to meet Deion and, you know... My transition from basketball, I wanted to be in the content creation space, TV, movies, production, and Dion was in it. And someone who had a similar background, you know, just kind of started taking me under his wing and telling me about projects, let me come and shadow him and really kind of, a lot of people talk about, you know, let me show you how to do it, let me show you this, but Dion is someone who actually does it, man. So I had a lot of appreciation for you and your wife, Roxanne, and and, and the way you guys have always welcomed me around things and, and taught me the game, so I appreciate that. Man, always. Family, man. Yeah. We're going to start this off just like this, right? That's how we're going to start it off? We're getting to the money. All right. Well, see, what roles you got for me in your movies coming up? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know you got all kinds of movies coming out. What roles do you have for me to go and we got We got to talk about it, man. But I will tell you this. I will have a role for you, both well, of you. There you go. Obviously, see? you know, we get ready to do the, the Pee Wee Kirkland story, man. Shout out to Pee Wee, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the living legend, man. Legend of two games. But yeah, definitely, man. Next summer, New York. 
Harlem, movie. you got to be there, man. Mm. I'm there. Come uh, in. Let's get it started. Uh, born in Chicago, grew up in Geary, Indiana. Um, talk to us about your upbringing, your family dynamic, and uh, what it was like growing up out there. I mean, that was a, it was a tough time at that time in, in Geary. Ooh. Yeah, well, well, you know, people that don't know Gary, you know, probably know the history of Gary, which was for a long time, Gary was the murder capital yeah. uh, for a very long time. But at the center of that is just good people. You know what I mean? You don't really know the environment you're in when you're in it. You know, it's, it's, it's later when you leave, you'd be like, damn, it was like that. It was right. like that. But uh, I was actually blessed, man. My uh, entire family is still there, but I was blessed enough, man, for my mom at an early age to be like, she getting me and my brother out of there. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it's an interesting story. My mom actually, um, I was playing ball there, uh, went to Westside, played AU basketball with Glenn, and, you know, the whole thing, man, was living my life there. And, um, you know, low-income housing, project housing, same old thing. And uh, my mom ended up playing the numbers uh, my ninth grade year and, and won the numbers, won $3,500 and bought a car and drove us to California. That's how you left? <laughs> That's that the real it. story, man. She packed us up, packed the dog up. She was like, y'all not going to be here. But that was after, you know, we had one of my cousins went to jail for life, murder, a um, bunch of, you know, just violence, man, all around. And like I said, you don't really understand the violence when you're in it. But then when you remove yourself, you're like, you're like wow. like yeah, That was your I, norm. Yeah, you can't go to that project, can't go to that side of the street. You know what I mean? You just kind of know what it is. And um, went to California. Uh, a coach hooked me up out there, was like, you know, you're going to play here. Got to Cali. I think my ninth grade year was like, this ain't it. <laughs> I had never been around, like, white people, you know, different nationalities. I went back. Oh, really? Yeah, I went back. And... Um, when I got back this time, I was like, nah, I got to go back out there. <laughs> I was like, I got to go back out there just because, you know, I understood after leaving and coming back that, you know, this ain't it. that world was different. So California was a blessing to me, man. But I'm back in Gary all the time. Um, just was there, just was in Chicago uh, for the last seven weeks shooting the finale of Power. Mm. So that was dope to just be able to go back home and see my sister, hang out with everybody and be back in the environment I came from. But don't just breeze over what you were doing out there. You said you shot the finale <laughs> of Power. Talk to us a little bit about that. I know you can't give us much, but who's, whose finale was it? Man, it's Tommy, man. Tommy. Tommy's back, man. Right. Shout out to Joe Secor, man. Right. Um, big shout out to 50 Cent, Joe Secor, that whole team, man. But yeah, I was um, driving on the freeway, man, um, three months ago, and the phone went off, and it's 50. I'm like, what's going on? She was like, you want to come shoot the finale of Power? And I'm oh, like, shit. uh... Let me think about it. Like, no, I'll be right there. Uh, but it was great, man. Uh, great show, great people. And that was my first time doing television. Mm. So for me going into television, you know, from a from a cinematic standpoint, being a film director, it was an interesting play for me, man. But then I understood later why Joseph and why 50 wanted me there because mm -hmm. the finale is always like the big event. Mm. You know what I mean? So. I was blessed enough to be able to shoot that show in a cinematic way. In other mm -hmm. words, being able to hold scenes, you know, intros, outros. And normally TV is choppy, but the finale felt like a movie. We're going to get into your process and your story and all that kind of shit, but do you ever just sit back and pinch yourself like, damn, no one wanted to let me in, and now I just produced, or excuse me, directed the, the, the power finale, and I have more projects than I can ever imagine being pulled so many different ways. Like, did you, obviously you wanted to get here, but did you ever picture it really happening? I did, man. You know, I think that's what's really cool about being a dreamer. You know what I mean? Like, when you really are out here and you really 
going through the nose, you know what I mean? And, you know, we done been through some real shit, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's why my perspective is a lot different than a lot of people. Like, we were told no for years and years and years. We were told not good enough. We were told that's not a good idea, you know? And I think through basketball and coming from where I came from, perseverance has always been part of our DNA. Right. Just like the two of you, you know what I mean? Like, we've been told no so many times we've had the lights off. You know what I mean? We've had the moments with no shoes. So you, somebody in Hollywood be like, nah, I don't think we want you right now. You're like, all right, well shit, somebody else over there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you always are looking for another angle. And um, yeah, now, now when I look back, man, think about some of the things that we've accomplished, you know, from an independent standpoint, you know, we're almost $200 million in box office receipts. Um, independent, you know, that's huge. Independent, 12 movies. It's been great, man, but I don't, I don't never, I'm still kind of figuring out, like, how do I get better? Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to figure out how do I, you know, do better than what I've been doing, you know what I mean? So I never look back and be like, damn, we killed that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm more like, damn, what can I do now? To, to, Because I still haven't gotten to where I want to be, right. you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, when you, I feel like when you look back, that's when you crash. Mm, talk to them. Yeah. Talk about playing basketball professionally. Running a spot at the NBA Entertainment League, blue chip uh, basketball prospect. Uh, man, I mean, basketball is my life until I just hurt my knee. So I'll be back in January. <laughs> uh, no, it's my it's my life, man. I was I was like I said, I was blessed enough, man, to 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 find that sport. You know, for a lot of people, man, why I speak so highly about basketball is because it's a it's a passport to life for a lot of us. I never would have been able to go see any parts of the world growing up or get free shoes or go on trips on buses or, you know what I mean, get the backpack and the sweatsuit. But basketball provided all of that, you know what I mean? So it becomes a fraternity. Whether you made to the NBA or played overseas like me or not, it's like it's a fraternity once you really play at that level. But um, it was great, man. I had a, you know, went to San Diego State, ended up getting a contract to play overseas, was in, in Europe for a while, played in Germany. Um, and that's really where I found film. Uh, in East Germany, man, in the middle of the, <laughs> middle of the winter, snow up to the door, mm -hmm. and, you know, all you could do is practice and then go home. And I remember sitting there, and, and at the time, Roxanne, who is now my wife, was my girlfriend, now my producing partner, she was sending me movies. And uh, I would watch those movies, and, you know, this is before Netflix. And all y'all young, mm -hmm. see y'all young, no, man. You're not that, you're this not before, that much older this than is before all the, you, dig, the digital age, you man. You and Jack are the same age. <laughs> so I would uh, start be the watching. Same age. That's right. So I would start watching the making of, and uh, I became fascinated with how films were being made versus watching them. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I got the bug, man. I remember coming back, and um, at the time, my brother Ephraim was playing for the Atlanta Falcons, and I was like. And I got an idea for a movie. And out of everybody I told the idea to, he was the one that was like, man, that's really good. Your brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, then everybody started being like, a movie, a movie. And then before I know it, man, I was writing. I wasn't going back overseas. And I was like, literally became fascinated with film. And that's how it started. So that was a turning point right there. Obviously, it, it, we know it's a grind. How, what was the process? You start writing. Walk us through your process now. Okay, I played basketball my whole life. I feel like I'm done with that because I have a new passion. Talk to us about that journey. Well, you got to be a little bit crazy, right? But that's what—that's with everything. You got to be a little bit 
off your rocker to, you know, jump off a bridge like I got an idea. But then you find out later in life, like, man, that's what you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, no experience, no film school. East Germany became my film school. Watching those movies, watching those DVDs, doing that type of energy. But um, the process was very simple, man. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So the mm -hmm. first script I wrote was on a Mead tablet. <laughs> so I wrote the whole movie out like a book. And then I was around pitching it to people, and the people was like, man, that's pretty good. Some people were like, man, you crazy. Oh, man, you're trying to make one of them little movies. I was like, yeah, I'm trying to make one of them little movies. You know, you do all of that. And then eventually that became like a three or four year run where, you know, you done ran out of money. You done came to Hollywood a bunch of times. You done knocked on every door, you know, and people done told you no. You know, I became a professional uh, meter. You ever, <laughs> you, ever, you ever met a professional meet? I mean, you meet people for fun. Like, you just, hey, you want to meet? Like, just sit down, talk to people over and over again. And then at that point, it was like, we had the door slammed on us so many times and everybody kept saying no to us so many times that we had no choice but to tell ourselves yes. And then one dude, this is how my whole life changed. This guy who was actually a bad dude, bad track record, Terrible person, found out all this bad stuff about this dude, but I got the best advice in the world from him. I had exhausted myself, man. We were like, I had quit. I was done. I had the same movie that I had been pitching for three, four years. And he was like, you know, ain't nobody going to make that movie for you, right? And I was like, why are you selling me that, man? You know, damn well, I'm trying to, me and you out here trying to do it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, the only way you're going to get your movie made is if you make it yourself. Mm. And I, and I had never heard that because I was not a film person. So I was like, what you mean? He was like, do you know what a producer does? And I was like, yeah, the producer, they make the movie, they get stuff. He said, the producer produces the money. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they produce the film. And that's when I went, yo, this is crazy. So he was like, instead of you running around asking these people to make your film with your hat in your hand, Go find your money and make your own film. And that completely changed my life. That was 2007. And I was like, the whole game changed at that point. Because now I'm not asking you to make a movie. Now I'm trying to find an investor to give me the money to make the film. And that's a completely different animal. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what happened, man. I think 2010... 2008, 2009, I was blessed enough to meet Robert Smith, mm -hmm. um, who, you know, a lot of people now know the richest African-American man in the world. And um, I met him and he asked me two questions. Where do you see yourself in five years? And what do you want to be? And I thought to myself, <laughs> first time I met him, like, yo, this dude tripping. You know what I mean? Like, no one asked those questions for real. And I'm like, you know. Explain him. I said, man, I want to be a, I want to be a label and an agent. I want to, I want to be a boutique film company, and I want to be one of the best directors out, and I want to do it differently than anybody else. He was like, well, what does that mean differently? I said, I want to do all the genres. And at the time, you know, that was my mentality, and that's what I was after. And I hadn't seen any black filmmakers during that time do horror, comedy, thrillers, any of that. And uh, I didn't realize how unique that was until I went down the path. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Who are your film influences? Spike Lee, John Singerson, etc. Any specific films or song or artists who inspired you to be, who inspired you the most? Um, John, you know, I knew John very well. Um, Rest in peace, John. Man. Rest in peace. Yeah. Incredible, man. Um, I only got to know him for a short time. Uh, I met John in a very weird way. I met John at an event, and uh, I had ended up talking to him about a couple films that I was trying to put together at the time, and Free Agents was one of those films. Mm. And um, I had just finished doing a movie called Supremacy. I remember you showed me that. show. Mahershala Ali mm-hmm. and, and Danny Glover, and I was getting washed with that film, man. Like, we had made this incredible movie and we could not find a distribution for it, home for it. I'm like, man, what is going on? He pulled me to the side and was like, man, this is just what the business is for you as a black filmmaker. Mm. And um, a couple months later, I was like, I don't want to do no more serious films. I went and did this movie, Meet the Blacks. And John was the first person to call me opening night and Meet the Blacks and sent me a picture of the ticket. And he was like, nigga, just the funniest shit I'd have seen. <laughs> and I remember just being like, damn, this is crazy. Got on the phone with him and, you know, and kept in touch with him. But he was always a great person in terms of like, not always, but over the course of time, he would always pop up at the right time to say something great. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, um, but John's a huge influence because I love what he was about. Uh, but I really, really love, you know, I love the, the, the branding of Tyler Perry, obviously, you know, doing it his mm-hmm. own way, building his own thing. But I'm a giant Steven Spielberg fan, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Spielberg is incredible just for the simple fact of what I told you earlier. Like, I love the fact that, you know, although he's not a black man, I love that he jumped genres and did it the right way. So you think of Color Purple, mm-hmm. think of E.T., you know what I mean? Like, these are completely different films. And Jaws, right. you know, and I just love that, man. I've always been like, man, I want to be ever to be that prolific as a black filmmaker in the space. 
What is your st- if someone were to say like Dion, what's your style of directing or filmmaking? What would you say? Ooh, um, overcoming adversity. Um, that's what every film I've made is about. So if you think about supremacy, is a black family trying to overcome white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Think about traffic. It's a young lady trying to overcome, um, even to the intruder, right? Intruder is a family trying to overcome evil. So I love adversity and I love, you know, I love twists and turns, but I'm not a twist person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to set my career on every time I make a movie, it's a twist. Right. I just want to make great content, man. So when you go to the movies and you spend $20, you feel like, damn, I got something good. Thus far, who were some of the, your your favorite people? You've been blessed to work with a lot of amazing people. Uh, who are some of your favorite people to work with? Oh, man. Um, it's a big list. <laughs> it's a big list. I love Michael Ely. Uh, we've done a few movies with him before. Um, I've been very blessed to be able to work with Hilary Swank, Naomi Harris. Um, I was, you know, what was kind of cool, man, for me as a filmmaker, Danny Glover was like, you know, He came at a time, and these are significant things I'm talking about because these are times where you got to remember, I'm not a director, but I'm trying to direct. Mm -hmm. The biggest part to that is people believing enough in you to to do a movie with you or a coach believing in you to give you a shot to play. That's all you need, right? We're talking about the NBA too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, man, I'm really good, but can somebody give me a chance? (laughs) You know what I mean? Acting is like that. You need somebody to be like, damn, man, that's dope what you're doing. Somebody believe in you. And I'm going to jump in your film. Mm-hmm. And if you mess it up, you mess it up. But I'm going to get in. So in Hollywood, still today, I'm dealing with that. Where people still be like, but let me see his work. And you're like, come on, man. Like, are you serious? I've seen guys that's done a three-minute short and Brad Pitt in it. You know what I mean? You're going to question me? But that's the business. But I think Danny Glover always is going to be at an all-time high for me. He jumped in first time I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting enough, man, Mahershala Ali, um, you know, before the Oscars and all of that, he was fantastic as well, man. He came in and 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 played a part of supremacy that was huge. We ended up talking, becoming friends on that set. And then after that happens, that movie happens, um, they're shooting a really cool movie in um, the Bay Area called Kicks. And I remember the producer called me and was like, man, what do you think about Mahershala Ali? Like, we really want him to be the lead in this movie. And I said, man, y'all crazy. Like, this is the best. You know, I, I was mad because I didn't get to use him how I wanted to use him mm-hmm. in my film. You know what I mean? I was like, you got to get him. And he goes on and does kicks. And just watching the trajectory after kicks was Moonlight. You know what I mean? And the rest is, you know, that mm-hmm. man's history and, and what he's become. But I think that's what's kind of cool about film is that you get to see people you know, jump in stuff and and see them on the ground too and then see them become, Grow who they you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hillary Swank was a little bit like that where she came and lent her two Oscars to Fatale. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I remember I was like, yo, you got to do this movie. It's like, I got this guy named Michael Ely. She was like, Michael who? And I mm-hmm. said, Michael Ely? You don't know who Michael Ely is? He got the blue eyes. And she's like, no, I don't know. So I sent him a picture. Oh, he's gorgeous. I was like, yeah. But that's what's really dope. She came. You right. know what I mean? Naomi Harris had finished she didn't want to act anymore. You know what I mean? She came and jumped in. Tyrese is one of my favorites. You know what I mean? These are people, man, everyone, if you see anybody I've ever worked with, they become family. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we don't ever know when we're going to get to do it again. So I'm the last person on set like, we do it now. Get get over here. You know, it's like, man, like I'm just, 
honored that you're here right. and respect that you're here. And, you know, I feel like every time I touch a camera or a movie set, it might be the last time based on the fact that how we got here. And every time I feel like I got lucky, you know what I mean? So anyways, yeah. that's my list. That's dope. Evolution of television from when you were growing up to the present day. It didn't change. <laughs> it didn't change, right? A lot. A lot, man. When I was when I was younger, man, like we had um, TGIF. Mm -hmm. Thank God it's Friday. That was the A team. ABC, right? That was that was Knight Rider. Um, yeah, man. I'm a I'm a like you know. TV used to be different, man. Mr. T and and. Thundercat. We had Thundercat. Thundercats. You had He-Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, um yeah. Lionel. Man. I mean it That was a head uh, Thundercat. <laughs> I remember I would just rush home. Remember, I remember Batman the cartoon first started. Yeah. And I remember I would rush home to be like, damn, this was like you it was like a movie to you. But now it's been changed, man. Now they, you know, I think TV has changed in an incredible way based on the fact that it's now molded to spectrums of people. So it, no matter who you are, there's something for you. Mm -hmm. Television used to be, you know, Watch one on. size fits all. Watch you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you got a team, you know, it was the black dude in there, it was the white dude in there, mm -hmm. it was the Jewish guy in there. Like that was it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But now it's like you if 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 you're, you know, black, there's some black shows. If you white is white shows, if you're gay, it's gay shows. It's like it's a plethora of things, and then every now and again, something will come. But I also think TV is transformative. Um, shows like The Wire, mm -hmm. you know, if you remember The Wire, what that meant during that time and how incredible that was. That was like before its time, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think TV is going to keep changing and, and, and becoming whatever we want it to be now. Look at this. We on, y'all on, on TV. TV. Right. Mm -hmm. Matt Barnes and Jack on TV. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, you've got a taste, obviously. You know, finding your root and your foundation in, in filmmaking, you've crossed over a little bit and done television. Obviously, there are a huge difference. Do you see yourself doing any more television? Or are you back to no? Films? I think I think it's great, man. I, I think the space is great. I love that you could just kind of do it and 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 be done. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. film film you live with it, man. I'm still living with traffic. You know what I mean? Like I'm still figuring out where that's going to go, you know, next year, what network it'll be on, or, you know, like, film is a different beast. Television is kind of dope, man, because, you know, you do it, they're going to air it, and then it lives there. Forever. That's it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Film, man, you make a movie independently, you like... You got to keep finding home You like for praying it. to God it opens. <laughs> you know what I mean? You land in the bed, the night it comes out, you worry about what the critics... Go like, it's just like, it's a whole world that goes with it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh... Television, I find, is like it's 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 very therapeutic because you get to do the craft that you love, but at the same time, I can leave it there. Mm -hmm. Being told no a lot obviously made you want to start building your own. Talk to us about the launch of the uh, Hidden Empire Film Group. Man, Hidden Empire um, Film Group, man, like it's just a, a a film company made of people that just had dreams. Shout period. the team out. They Shout in here. Shout the team out. Shout out to Roxanne, who's here. Yes. Omar, my brother. Yeah. Um, our entire team is just made of underdogs, man. Like, we are all the people that, you know, like you. Uh, we're the people that was told no. We're the people that didn't have an opportunity. We didn't go to film school. We just love film. We mm -hmm. just love movies. And we was like, yo, we going to be rebels and do that shit. And uh, we got here by... Number one, being passionate, more passionate than most of the people we ever meet. 
You know, we've, we've had 20-hour days on movie sets. We've had 22-hour days on movie sets where people have pulled the plug and walked off. And I'm like, we can't never come back. So I got to mm, get it all. I got to get it all. it all, man. You know what I mean? So we just live in that world, man, to where, like I just told you a moment ago, everything we do, we have to do it because we don't know if there'll be another chance to do it. So we try to lead by example in terms of like Hidden Empire represents people that I like to call our light. Um, we feel like what you put into the universe is what you get back out. Mm -hmm. So we try to just lead with kindness, um, lead with integrity, you know, make sure that our word is our bond when we say we're going to do something. But more importantly, man, if you get on the set or a movie with us, like we're going to give you everything we have. They didn't have to drag me off set a few times, man, where I, you know, I'm like delirious because I didn't shot so much mm -hmm. or, you know, did 90 setups in a day or mm -hmm. because like I said, it's, it's, you've been, film is like the Super Bowl, right? So pre-production is like the season. So you're like getting ready. Everything is, you know, you putting all the stuff together. And then it's like the day you say action is game time. Like that's like, it's everything in one. So it's a Super Bowl to me. So it's like, mm -hmm. you got to win. Right. And uh, we were just talking on the way over here that out of 12 or 13 films doing this for almost 14 years, I've never had one reshoot. Like every movie you've ever seen, that was it. Like that $3 million movie, you know, and people don't know this, you know, like these movies are under $5 million that we're making that are open to number one and number two in the world. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I've never had a budget over $10 million. Um, I've never had a budget over $9 million. <laughs> but but the, your returns are crazy. The returns are crazy. Um, the movies are great. You know what I mean? But it it also puts you where you're like, okay, I'm done with that. Like, I know how to make those types of films. Mm -hmm. Now I'm ready to go here. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. Hidden Empire is, uh, <clears throat> that's my life right now, man. But kind of explain the business side of that for people who don't really understand. So, okay, so you have the Hidden Empire group. Why did you form that? Obviously, you were told no when you couldn't get distribution, but explain a little bit of the business side. So, <clears throat> so independent film is um, studios make movies and then they own movies, right? So you're work for hire, period. No matter how you want to dice it up or cut it, if you go make Mar a Marvel movie, you're going to pay you a bunch of money. You're going to get a little bit, probably if you're great, you're going to get some back in <clears throat> and then it's over. <clears throat> you it's go theirs. home, it's theirs forever, mm -hmm. forever. Independent film, you're the studio. So you make the movie, you create the IP. You can then license that IP to a studio to put out, but that's your product forever. So if you can do that at a high clip, then you become an owner, right? And there's a big difference between a player and a... <laughs> <laughs> and an owner, right? Yeah. So Players are rich, owners and, are wealthy. And here's the thing. Outside of the black culture, this is common. This is common for Absolutely. Jack Nicholson to own IPs or, you know, or Christopher Nolan to own a giant portion of, or James Cameron to own, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was very unique to us when Tyler Perry came in and was like, he gonna do it this way and, slap it that way and create that he's a billionaire. And what we're trying to do is say, it's not militant to be an owner of your own brand, right? It's not, you're not... It's supposed to be. Yeah, it's, supposed, it's cool. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I can work with anybody I want to work with. I'm not saying I don't want to work with you. We're just mm -hmm. saying 
there are times that we'll do one for you, two for them, and then we'll do one for us. And the idea is that we need the studios. We want to work with everyone. You have to play well in the sandbox. This is about everyone working together, not I'm just doing this is my thing and hoarding it. Um, So we're trying to be that breakout company that's like, yo, you can do this, own it as African-American business people, but at the same time, we could also partner and work with studios. Or I love being work for hire. <laughs> I've been it a couple times. You know what I mean? It's great because I get to go over there and, and play with those toys and make those films and do something prolific and great for a studio. And then I get better and then I go make something for myself. For yourself, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How was it directing your first film, film Dead Tone? Jesus. <laughs> Damn, dug in, the, dug in the crates. Oh, Dead Tone, man, was the... First one. That was my film school, man. Uh, shout out to Brian Hooks, uh, who taught me how to actually get a movie up and get a movie made. Um, Dead Tone was crazy, man. That's the movie I wrote. Was writing, or trying to write, coming out of... Oh, in Germany? Coming out of Germany. Oh, okay. That was the movie. It, it, it was uh, just a great horror film, man. Classic. Five kids go up to a big, ma- a big mansion. And at the time, like, they prank call a stranger. And the stranger calls back. And he's crazy. <laughs> right? He's, he's star 69 he, Yeah, he's star 69 But then he come <laughs> back. And, it's, and it's, it was great. Um, great film, man. But that film taught me everything I needed to know. From financing to uh, legal issues to you name it. That film, that was the hardest film to ever make and the worst film to ever make. But it was the first film, and it's the film that I love the most. But mm-hmm. it's where you didn't know nothing. You know what I mean? You didn't know how to do an investment. You didn't know how to deliver a movie. You didn't know who to sell it to. So that became a seven-year project. <laughs> <laughs> but you got it done. Uh, you struck gold with Meet the Blacks. Um, you did House Next Door, Meet the Blacks too, which I was involved in. Jack came and kicked in on the set. But I think what's even doper about that is you were able to bring... Cat Williams and Mike Epps back together on one screen. There was obviously a little bit of a turmoil between them, but tell us about your ability to get both them and then just the process of making that and and, and success. It was classic too. Great job, man. Man, thank you for that, man. Uh, Mike and Cat was, um, that was a unique situation. So Mike had did Meet the Blacks 1, which was, you know, a, a hit an independent hit movie. It opened number four in the world independently. We released that movie by ourselves. Correct me if I'm wrong, you shot that in your neighborhood, right? I shot that where I live, this down the street from my shot house. shot this shit around the corner from his house. <laughs> shit, I remember I went on they set. They walked by our house, yeah. Remember like, the twins were little? I brought the twins on set. We were in sack for some reason. He's like, come by. I'm like, that's yeah. right, you was like, there. That's like, right. Like, don't you live around the corner? He's like, oh, yeah, we just shooting here. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, we shot it by the house, around man. the corner from his house. Whole productions. Yeah, Mike and Kat were great. Uh, Mike was already there. Um, I went to Cat because Cat was going to originally be in the first Meet the Blacks. And so when we came back around with two, I knew that there was a little bit of an energy between the two of them, but didn't know what that was. No one really does. You right. know what I mean? You just hear that. Mm-hmm. And I went to Cat, and he was like, man, I'm with it. And then I remember calling Mike and being like, man, and he was like, I'm with it. And, and it was like two months. And I remember the first day, it was Gary Owen, Little Duval. Brisha Webb, Michael Blackson, we was doing a table read in Atlanta. And I had been talking to Mike for a few months, had been talking to Kat, but they had not talked to each other or been around, like, at all. 
So at this particular table read was going to be the first time Mike and Kat was going to come into the room and read the script. And uh, I remember Duval's crazy. Like, I can't, it was like tense for some odd reason. I was just like, and Mike got there first. And uh, we were all waiting. And obviously, Kat was like running a little bit behind. I remember getting a text. And I was like, okay, he's going to come in here. And Kat came in. And I remember like the whole room was like, and then Mike was like, what's up, nigga? And then Kat was, was cool. like, what's up, nigga? And it was just, it was from that point, I was up. like, whoa. And it just was over, man. And I would tell you this, man. What I think is fantastic about both of them is they're geniuses. And um, I don't think either one of them gets the credit that they obviously need. And I'm being honest right now, man. Like, you know how long Mike Epps been doing that? Uh, you know how long Cat has been selling out arenas? Arena, not not venues, arenas. Right. And, you know, those two, men to me, you know, I was blessed enough to be able to work with Cat. Mike, Paul Mooney, Charlie Murphy, mm, you know what I mean? Piece, yeah. And and when you start getting into that category, to me, man, it ain't but a few more you can name right. where mm -hmm. you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like, who? I mean, Cat is, you know, and Mike, they're up there, period. You know, mm -hmm. they got to be in your top seven, if not your top two. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, they were great, man, and they killed that movie. Every day they worked together. They were funny. They The jokes were great. The camaraderie was great. And it was the first time I got to work with Kat. And I fell in love with him, man, because I had never seen anyone that passionate about film. He was serious. He was really good, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would come to set when we weren't shooting and bring food. And, yo, was there? It was shit. We was there. Come hang out, like, yeah. middle of the night. Cat out there in the trailer, like, yo, right. come get some wings. I was like, this is crazy. Right. But it was a blessing, man. And, um, yeah, that was a great film to do. And I wanted to do part two. I didn't even have to do part two. But I wanted to do part two because that's our franchise. Like, we own mm -hmm, that. You right. know what I mean? Regardless of what anybody thinks, we own our own comedy horror franchise. Yeah. And a couple years from now, I already know what's going to happen. The phone will ring and people will be like, man, you want to... They already mm -hmm. asked for a three, but we'll figure that out later. I think, too, you, I don't think you guys take enough credit for creating that family environment. Like you said, he wanted to come back. I've been on sets before where it's as soon as your job's done, you don't see that person until they shoot a few that's more days right. later. You that's know what right. I mean? And you guys create a family environment where obviously work is going to get done, but when the cameras cut, motherfuckers are talking shit to each other, laughing, joking, Man. having a great time. Man. Like, you're like, I'm like, damn, they should be filming this. But it's just yeah, like, it's just, it's just the yeah. kickback cool shit. And that's yeah, the environment you guys people. created, it's, right? It's real people, man. And that's how I think, that's how every movie set should be. Mm -hmm. Because if you really are in a creative environment, that's creative. Right. Right? It's, it can't be creative. When I just came here, I seen music playing, mm -hmm. somebody over there uh, dropping it like it's hot, somebody mm -hmm. hooking up Smoking, the camera. Smoking, drinking. It's, that's the environment I want to be in. I right. want to be in a world where... That brings the best out of people to me. Man, yeah, because you're not afraid to fail. Right. Right? Like, it, it, that's my motto, man. Like, you know, acting and directing is ugly. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Part of it is like, let's try something. If it don't work, all right, do it mm -hmm. again. Like... We're trying to be great, man. Like, no one got all the answers. Right. Especially when you're doing independent movies, man. Here's what's crazy. We're working on four and five million dollar movies, or eight million, nine million dollars, like Black and Blue with Naomi Harris and Tyrese. Like, we was going hard on that film. You know what I mean? Only to look up to make a great film that I still feel like should have been nominated for a lot of stuff. Um, but then when you look across the board and you and you see that the other guys that are making these other movies that got 50 million, 70 million, 
60 million. You know what I mean? You like, but we had more fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had more fun and made a better film. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's kind of like that creative process to be able to do films like that and everyone, you know, I talk to Naomi Harris once every two weeks. But because of that film, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because she's like, yeah, we gotta like, we gotta figure something out. And Tyrese is my brother. I talk to him once a week or twice a week. You know what I mean? Like, if it's nothing but a WhatsApp or a text, just to mm -hmm. check in. But it is a family, family right. environment, man, mm -hmm. and, and that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, because um, you know that big money is gonna come knocking one day. You don't have to tell us, but if someone came to you with a hundred million dollar budget, do you have a hundred million dollar idea, movie idea? Boy, do I! It's in there. You're waiting <laughs> no, on it. No, I do. No, you know what, man? I do. I have a few ideas like that. Um, i tell you what I would love to do, man. I would love to get into either the DC space uh, or the Marvel space, you know, just for one of them things, man. You know what I mean? There's some cool stuff coming up, man. Like right now, I know they got like the Captain America. Like, well, they said there's like, I didn't know, I was watching something the other day. There's 1,600 Marvel characters. Yeah. 1,600. So they could give us one. Man. they give us one, right? On, Jack, us, can we get one? Give us 10. Damn. 12, Give 15. us one, man. Give us one. You're Smoke man. Make a new one. Smoke man. Smoke man. man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're set to direct uh, Freedom Ride, uh, based on the historical life of uh, U.S. Congressman John Lewis. You've up... Uh, uh, Praise a great team. You put a great team together. Talk to us about that project and and, and what drew you to it. Man, John Lewis. Um, good trouble. Good trouble. Uh, one of the most iconic figures that we've ever had. Um, so this story was brought to me um, uh, by a company called Indie Company and uh, Matt Rhodes and Kim Ledford and uh, Cameron Mitchell brought me this project. And when I got the project, I didn't realize at the time that attorney Ben Crump was attached and uh, the estate was attached. And um, man, I was just honored. You know, we had done, a, I've been doing a lot of work as an activist uh, for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Me and my wife and my partners, like we all are on the ground daily. Mm -hmm. And we led the George Floyd March yes, indeed. Uh, in Sacramento, which, you know, broke the record out there. I think we had 63,000 people showed up. Yeah, that shit was crazy. And then we got 890,000 people to vote through Be Woke Vote. <clears throat> well, you already shot the John Lewis? No, no, it's getting ready to come up. So what ends up happening is they bring the project to me and I'm like, it's time to do it. You know what I mean? Like, so finished the script about two, three weeks ago. Uh, the idea is to be in production here uh, November, December. Oh, wow. Okay, where so, you guys shooting that at? Atlanta, Atlanta and probably New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. Right there in my backyard. I'll be right there with you, I'm man. Ready. I definitely gonna you. Need definitely you. a freedom rider too. I'm trying to tell you. Definitely. That's one thing you are is a freedom I'm, I'm rider. Good. I'm yeah. good in that one. But that that but that movie, man, like, you know, as we talk about film, we laugh about different things. Like that movie right there is the one man where, you know, when someone bestows that type of honor on you to do that, yeah. That's when you gotta you gotta shut everything down. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I just did a thing a couple like a week ago, like that's it. Like for me, for the rest of the year, like that's cool to do this, that all that's great. But this is the one, man. Like we don't get to redo this, right? Mm -hmm. And and most of the times, man, we we get to make historic films like that. We don't get to make them. Yeah, someone else is telling our story. Somebody's telling our story, and they and they watching the story. You know, making it be whatever mm -hmm. this might be or that might be. I wanted. I want this one when I'm done. There should be no question how a biopic should be done. There should be no question on what it meant to have that story as a filmmaker. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So 
this the one for me, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give everything I have to make it right. There's a lot riding on that. Being a former athlete is. I mean, is there pressure in spaces like this? Like, what kind of what comes with that? I mean, you could, like you said, this is a you don't you don't get a chance to make something like this again. Mm-hmm. This is a one and done. A lot is going to be riding on it. Do you? Is, is there pressure that comes with that, or is it a good feeling? Like, what is your mindset with? <laughs> it's it? a great feeling, man. I think that look, you're always nervous. You know, playing in the finals, playing the championship, whatever it is, you're gonna be nervous. Mm-hmm. But you've been doing this your whole life. But you make love to you. You, you, right? you make love to it, right? Make love to That's right, man. So I feel Progressive. the same. I feel the same way. Like th- there's, I'm not scared at all. Like I'm like I'm ready. I'm like right. I'm more excited it. about it. Like I'm so. like yo, bring. But that also comes from me being ready to do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there has been situations years ago where I'm like, damn it, why I didn't get that? But now when I look back, I'm like, man, you weren't ready for that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You weren't ready to do no movie like that at that time. Like. Six years ago, I wasn't ready to do black and blue. Mm. You know what I mean? Or, you know, but but my work and my effort in terms of getting better and working at it, it's like sports. Now you're right. like, oh, I can shoot that. I can play with them. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I feel like now I can play with anybody. Yeah. You but I mean, I mean, similar getting to the NBA. I mean, a lot of people come into both of our spaces talented, but you don't understand the space until you have some years in it. Period. Or, or you've done the reps. Mm, right. Right. Just having you got to do yeah. the work, man. Got to do the work. They can't, they can't. I've seen a few people get a couple hundred million dollar movies and you see they weren't ready for that. Mm. You, you've seen it. You've been to the movie mm. like, damn, who did this? You know what I mean? This, like, right? how they do that? Like, no, they weren't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And that's not a knock against nobody. It's just the fact that you got to really do the work. Right. Because when the, when they, when the cameras and the lights come on mm-hmm. and the actors show up, have you been here? Do you know what you need to be doing? Right. Period. No matter if you got a million dollars or $20 million. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I approach it that way. Like, man, I'm, I'm more than ready, man. That's dope. Yeah. You have some more up-and-coming stuff. You told us some stuff off-camera. Um, but talk to us a little bit about free agents. I think when you told me about this idea and then I saw that you attached 50 to it, I'm like, oh, this shit is about to be insane. 50, man. Shout out 50. We 50 need him on the show. We, we almost had him locked in, but he was too busy this round. But we're going to get him soon. You got to, you gotta like, catch 50. Like, you, <laughs> you got to catch him, man. Like, you know, I'll be like, Damn, where's he at? Like, you, or he'll just randomly pop up. No, uh, free agents, man. Uh, second string NFL players that rob banks while they're on the road. Fucking mm, carries. Man, it's, it's just, cold. I would be a natural in that. It's right. cold, right? <laughs> it's cold, <laughs> man. But yeah, we um we up. Dante Spinotti is shooting the movie, man. The cinematographer that shot Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of your, he's your right-hand man. That's my guy, right? Shout man. him out. I've seen him. Uh, he's around a lot of your projects. Yeah, he's a beautiful man. It's Michael Mann cinematographer. And I wrote this man a letter five or six years ago, and he, I went and met him, 73-year-old Italian man, lives in Italy, and uh, me and him fell in love, and he's done the last three movies for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been pretty crazy, man. But The Insider, Heat, Last of the Mohicans, Ant-Man and the Real Wasp, uh, right. you know, gigantic, dude. Uh, Narnia, mm-hmm. you know. Um, anyways... This movie is crazy. Fifty is like a uh, like a Denzel character in Training Day. Um, his name is Rush Daniels. He's on his way out the league, and basically, he's lost all his money to bad investments and a bad money manager. What's up? I'm John Wall, and I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Who is Deion Taylor outside of filmmaking? Ooh. Man, I'm, this is it. A hooper? A hooper, man. <laughs> I really am, man. Kind of bad. Saying, man. Every time you say hoop, he rub his left knee. Yeah, that must yeah, be that the knee hurt, man. That's that knee hurt. Every time he's like, damn, man. Am I, oh, am I done? <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm, this, what you see is what you get, man. I'm this guy all the time. Um, I think that's what's kind of cool about building yourself is you don't have to be no one else. You know, um, I love the game. I love my family more, you know, than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, man, I understand what time means and 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 what family means to all of this. So I kind of take the film thing where it's like, it's my passion. It has replaced hoop, okay. if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I never thought I would ever say that. But it's like, I love it that much. But what you see is what you get because if if you're anything else than real, they gonna see it. You ain't gonna make it, brother. <laughs> you ain't gonna make That's it. That's what the podcast did for me. But you know, I, yes. I, when I first started the podcast, I was still playing basketball, still playing in the big three. But as of now, this is my baby. This is That's what it. I love more than anything. Yep, yep. And you can tell. You can tell that there's them same reps that you've been taking in basketball your whole life. Now you're doing it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what's crazy is you don't get that opportunity till you 40 plus years old. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, that's what's crazy, man, is that this has never been offered to us. Mm-hmm. So when you was younger, nobody ever said, Matt, man, you you, you could own your own production company and like mm-hmm. do like we don't know none of that shit, mm-hmm. man. It's like we we're this is why we're so behind and why we're trying to fight so much to get where we need to go, because it's now your job to tell the twins, your job to tell your kids, mm-hmm. like. You know, you want to be a director? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't know I, I didn't know my calling would be film. I knew every film in high school. I would quote the films. I would get kicked out of class for do, screaming like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Predator, doing Eddie Murphy. You know what I mean? But no counselor ever came to me and was like, man, you interested in film? 
That's right. what's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or that dude that's beating on the table, rapping at lunchtime that me and you both know, ain't no counselor ever say, hey, man, let me, you should take a music class. Music class mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, no, get your ass out. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of like now to be able to, to, to create worlds that kids understand what you're doing at an early age actually could be a real career yeah. for you. Well, there's just not, you know, it's not just music or basketball no more. No. You know what I mean? There's so many no. ways. And that's one of the main reasons why I started the Twins podcast, and, and it's taken off. And obviously, shout out the Malco team and Malco family for helping me do that. Uh, but showing them at the age, you know, shit, me and Jack got into it when we were damn near 40. You know, the Twins yep. got into it when they were 11. That's right, You know man. what I mean? So it's starting to build that. And then also Game changers. producing another show for them as well. So just kind of getting them behind the scenes. Like, I mean, sports is great, but there's just so many more things you can do. And like you said... We had very few options coming up. Like, you got in the space very late. Few. All we had was hoop, you know what I mean? But to open those doors at an early age and let you know you could be anything you fucking want. That's right. That's right. And I think it's our job with the opportunities now to open those doors for people. And just say it. I mean, the, the easiest thing is just say it. Like, don't nobody even say it when you're younger. Like, man, mm-hmm. you can do anything you want to do. Like, you would hear that on a commercial, you know what I mean? But most people in, in, in our neighborhoods, you know, because they didn't do it. So they don't have a roadmap. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I feel like the hate come is like, here you are trying to do something and, and all these cats before you ain't never did it. So they're like, man, what you Fuck trying to do? Yeah, shit. you ain't trying to do the Big little, time Hollywood. Yeah, yeah you, whatever. Man. So it's like, damn, man. Like, you know, so I think just saying it, man, but you not just saying it, you actually putting energy and effort into the words. So it's mm-hmm. great. Um, You spoke on family. Your producing partner is your wife. What is that dynamic like? How dope is that? Jesus, it's great. It's great because she's also my best friend. Right. Um, You know, it was crazy, man, because during the pandemic, um, it was so many people divorcing, you know, because it was (laughs) the first time. That was the first time they was around each other. First time they was around each other. I was hearing all these stories and people was like, man, like, I didn't even know who I was living with. And I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Like, I just felt so blessed, man, because, like, you know, I was able to be with the woman that was my friend. You know what right. I mean? So, first. Yeah, first. So the pandemic to us was like, we was kicking it. Right. You know what I mean? And and it's great because she's a lot smarter than me. You know, I'm a, just a creative hound, man, and she's a very book smart, you know, very organized. I'm an Aquarius, man. I'm all over the place. Good balance. Like, I'm going left. I'm going right. You know what I mean? She's the other side of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So... She's like, you got to focus and do this now. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. But it's fantastic because we don't get in each other's way, ever. She lets me be the director, and mm-hmm. I let her be the producer. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to producing stuff, we produce differently. You know, she knows how to physically produce a film. I know how to physically produce, like, the money, the capital, talent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it all starts working together mm-hmm. and uh what a great year this has been man like for the first time like we've been doing this for a long time and she just started getting all the recognition that she needs i to saw have. she got a little car deal not a little car she didn't deal, get a little with car deal. That's she what, uh, got a bentley deal oh, she got a bentley the car time out, deal Jack. And, yeah. wait hold on man oh plug us plug yeah, yes, the bentley sponsor. yeah not, the i'm bentley. sitting there and she get the call i'm like oh that's bentley for me like no it's bentley for you like i've seen the doors <laughs> open the top off i said okay yeah, right she's the she, first, she was the first black woman to be given a marketing campaign from Bentley. That's exactly where you got to Good job, sis. Rub up on us. We need that deal. And and look, big shout out to Bentley for that, man, because what they realized was, and they didn't want no rapper. They didn't want no athlete. They wanted a woman that built herself. Mm -hmm. Self-made. Self-made. 
And it was Roxanne, man. I was like, yo, this is crazy. What's crazy than that was when they really came and shot the Bentley commercial. And I, I was like, it. and I was an extra. Right. <laughs> so I was like, yo, this play is your real. part. Play yeah, your part. Yeah, they like, yo, stand back there, hold the kids. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm like, damn, okay, I guess <laughs> hold the what kids I in do. the background. Do you have to <laughs> ask to borrow the car? Yeah, yeah, and I get, <laughs> and I got to drive it once. Yeah. Yeah, it was great, but what, yeah. Talk to us about that magical day at Burger King, how this all got started. Man, come on, man. What was your you game? Much, what, what was your game oh, like? I want to hear what y'all want to know what your you game can, you, was did, like. Did she want a Whopper with cheese? No, I said, do fries come with that shake? <laughs> oh, you heard what he said? He do said, fries come with that shake? Do fries come with That's that how shake? I got her. That's what you said for real? I dropped that line. No, I'm just, <laughs> I was about to say, hell no. No, I was like buying some food and she was at the back on the fries and she was like, who is that? Oh, she saw you. She yeah, was, she was she enamored. Yeah, she seen me. She can't. I'm she lying. saw that curl. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. <laughs> she, she, she about to tap <laughs> something up back there. She about to come <laughs> on set. Like, like, come on set. Might have been wrong. Said, tell the truth. I went at Burger King with a whole bunch of my friends, man. It was like 10 of us in a, in a uh, Geo Storm. You know how it is, man. Like, I we live. coming from the hood, like, man. Yeah, I'm like, essays, yeah. bouncing in there. We doing whatever. And I'm like, all of us was looking at her like, yo, who is that? You know what I mean? And then I ended up doing what I do, hung back for a minute. Yeah. Played the, you know, played the back. Mm -hmm. Finally, I was like, you know, gave him did my number. Did your light skin shit? I, I'm not that light skin, man. I'm actually kind of dark. You pulls your light skin That's moves. what I said, your I light skin. Light skin. skin. I got some light skin tendencies. You got light skin moves? I yeah, got, I got a couple of them. Moves. I got a dark soul. I'm like that. Ah! Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> no, got a dark soul. It was soul. great, man. I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy I got that phone number. Changed right. my life. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's right. How much of the NBA do you watch? Do you follow? Oh, all of it, man. Um... It's so easy now with all the technology now. I mean, mm -hmm. now yeah, it's damn near like nothing. you can't miss nothing. You know, even if you miss a game, it's like you NBA TV, online, Instagram. It's like everybody posting. It's it's pretty crazy. What I think is great about the NBA right now, man, is that um, I just love man the stand that the league took during the George Floyd movement, man. Like mm -hmm. I thought, a lot of people don't understand how powerful that was. Straight up, they caught a lot of flack for the things that they did from mm -hmm. shirts to shoes to riding on the court, riding mm -hmm. on the court to the hundred million dollars. But you know, it, it took a lot, man. And uh shout out to my brother, Kenny Smith, man. Like I love Kenny and I love what inside the NBA was doing during that time. Mm -hmm. Like I remember Kenny got up and walked out. Like it, I like what the NBA did, man. So they gonna, I'm gonna always support that brand. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, we do need more black coaches. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. management owners. We management, need all of it. We need all of it. But mm -hmm. I think it can get there because Absolutely. they have the door open and they're listening and they're trying to figure out how right. to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. And that's big, man, for organizations like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about the NFL, ain't no movement. Right. So while we sitting up here doing all that, like, ain't no movement. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They'll Every now and then they'll throw something out there like, yo, how about that? Like, ain't no movement, man. When you see black coaches can't get no job, guys getting put off the team, it's like, Politically, man, they haven't made any, to me, I haven't seen any strides where you like, yo, that's dope. They actually really did that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the NBA did a really, really good job of, you know, getting behind the culture. Who in the NBA do you remind yourself of? Your kind of game you got? Compare your game to someone oh, in the league. Oh, my God. Come on, don't do that. Compare man. your game well, to someone in the league. No, because this go, this go be bad. We asked Shannon Sharp this question. Shannon he Trump. said he was bronze. So <laughs> no, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> he said his game was like bronze. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> he did. <laughs> That's why I ask. I want to laugh when I hear these. Uh, maybe you're going to be more realistic. I don't know, man. I don't know. You know what? I will tell you this. I don't know, man. You know what? Uh, uh, my younger days, man, I, I was more like a Derrick Rose. 
Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, my yeah. I mean, okay. it, it, some y'all, bounce. y'all can check it out. I jumped the. 40, <laughs> y'all can check it out. I jumped to forty-two. Oh damn! But I won every national dunk contest there was, so I was a a very explosive two guard. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't shoot no jumpers. I want to dunk your mouth. Yeah, that's all. You know what I mean? But uh, later on, I developed a really really good jump shot. That's how I got paid to play. Okay. But the athletic side of it was my claim to fame, like. Even when I think they just had like the the top dunkers in the mm-hmm. country, you mm-hmm. on that list? Uh, uh, no, was I? I was on that list. Yeah, <laughs> I was on that list. you was on that list, Matt. Was I? Yeah, but back I, in the day, I used to be able to bounce a little bit. But I think that, but but what I have learned, like as I got older, I'm trying to show my son now, like I never like below the rim guys. Like you ought to be like, damn, they don't even jump high, but they play the longest. Because we, you know, I'm I'm so athletic. I was below out. the rim guy. You were yeah. below the rim guy, but but you, but you he'll dunk every once in a while on you. No, he'll punch on you. Right Cap, right cast right are right so right big. He'll punch right on yeah. you. But but yeah, all that jumping and all that man, like I feel it every day now. I be the like, bird. damn man, my knee, my ankle, my back. I'm like. I remember when I was young, I hear my dad grunt, getting up, sitting down. I'm like, what the fuck? He always grunting. And now it's just natural. I sit down, wake up, anything I move is a grunt. I'm like, okay, I know what the, I don't know why my fuck my dad was grunting, but I know why I'm grunting. Like, what the fuck is going on? My body is just not moving. Anyway, man, quick hitters. First thing to come to mind, we're winding up the show right now. Five most impactful films, in your opinion. Oh, um, Oh man. Full metal jacket. Mm, okay. I ain't heard that one in the um, watched that recently. Predator for my own oh, my own reasons. Another good one. Um uh, 48 hours. Classic. Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. Um, Yo, the way they used to talk in the movies to back man. then, fucking crazy if they would come out today. Oh yeah. man. Uh, um, stuff they were saying. Jeez. Braveheart. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, Gibson. Damn, this is tough. That last spot. Boys in the Hood. Classic. I go with them five. Yeah, I like that. All different genres too. Yeah, pretty much. Your dream cast to work with. Name five people. Dream cast. Oh, man. You 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 don't have to put me on this one. <laughs> Jack, <no. laughs> uh, dream people. I would love to, uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Um, this would never happen. Daniel uh, Day Lewis. Why you say that though? Uh, because he's done acting and he's arguably the greatest actor of all time. Yeah. Denzel for sure. Um, I'm gonna throw Kevin Hart in there. Yeah. I really like. I, I don't just, know him. I've just never sitting met there him. two hours ago. Oh, is that right? I've yeah. never met Kevin Hart, but. I really like him a lot. You just missed him. Energy's great. Then I would have... Similar I think, energy. Like, every time you both you guys walk in the room, it's, you you have no choice but to smile. <laughs> yeah. Kevin Hart, I would love to work with him. And then I think my last... I said Denzel, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think my last person would have to be, um, right now, uh, Viola Davis. Viola oh. Davis. Yeah. like that. Such a good queen. call. Yeah. Different. I like that. Sit at any courtside NBA game... In the history of the NBA, courtside in any game in the history, ninety-eight finals. That was quick. Yeah, I would have loved to see that. That was bull. That was Bulls and Jazz. Yeah, I would have loved to see that. I would love to see that shot in Utah. 
like that game to me, like if you, because I grew up in Chicago, so we seen every game. Right. Like WGN, like it was that was it. Like I feel so lucky to be able to do that. But that game, for instance, like it was just so like iconic, and it still is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the flu game. It's the shoe. It's the shot. It's like it was like the whole world can't come. You know, the combination of everything into one. So. I would love to have seen that Definitely. Game. If you could be on any movie set ever, how would it unfold and what would it be? Any movie set ever? Yeah, all time. Oh, man, I would I would have loved to see... Um, I would have loved to be on the set of Eyes Wide Shut, Ooh. Stanley Kubrick. That's such a crazy-ass movie, man. Like, I would just want to see... And I, they shot that movie, I think, over the course of a year. Like, uh, I would have loved to just see what was... Happening there with Tom Cruise. That was Cruise Nicole and, Kidman and yeah, Tom Cruise, Tom right? Cruise, yeah, yeah. Cruise, like yeah. that's just an eccentric, crazy movie. Uh, five dinner guests, dead or alive. Oh man. Um, Sydney Portier. Um, Eddie Murphy. Mm. Five dinner guests. Um, dead. That's good, man. Dead or alive? Mm -hmm. I would have loved to meet Tupac. Hmm. What are you telling? I, I would have loved to have met, just met him mm -hmm. and heard, you know, just um, one of the people would have been Robert Smith, but I know him. Like that's your man. Um, and shout one out Robert, other, by the way. Shout out to Robert. One of the other people would have been Nip. But I met him and knew him. Mm -hmm. He was awesome. I wish we could have made a film together. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other two people would probably be Eddie Mur I mean, uh, 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 Richard Pryor. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. Of course. And uh, probably, I would have liked to have met Robin Williams. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Just, just I would dressed up in Mrs. Doubtfire or, or as a self. That's funny as hell. You crazy as hell. You want to meet Miss Dodd Fire. <laughs> you crazy as hell, man. No. So those are the five. Those are the five. Hold on. Before Jack gets to the last question, I mean, since you're in the sp your favorite movie, we didn't ask you that. Your favorite movie. I can't name a favorite movie. You can't? No. Really? Okay. I tell you, I mean. You named Impactful. Like, yeah, it's too many movies that have, like, you know, I mean, too many movies, man. It's too, like, I would I would obviously go with 48 hours is like one of my favorite like if it comes on how could it not yeah. you got to watch it if it comes on I was just telling I was just saying this there, like it's like it's gold man it's like you can't that in trading places yeah like, like trading places and all you crazy if you turn the hey, channel yeah, it's funny yeah, I mean you know what I mean it's just it's <laughs> that, he was yeah. he was just that great yeah you know what I mean? He was just that great, man. Mm, and didn't, I, didn't I tell you I got some, my chicks is outside? Yeah, but you wouldn't know that because you was a big Barry White looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's great, man. That whole movie is... You was uh, a big Barry White looking motherfucker. Great. Just anything Eddie Murphy, 80s... Classic. Is classic. Last question. You can have a guest on All the Smoke. Who would it be? But you got to help us get that guest on here. Oh, man. Um, 50. 50 Cent. 50. 50, you know what? I'll, I'll pick three people. Okay. And I'll help. 
With all three. With all three. But he's really going to help us. I know. I know. Y'all pick three. But you know why I'm going to pick the three? People don't know that y'all real partners. We got him on the show, but they real partners. All right? We got him on the show, but they real homeboys. I'm going to pick three people because they should be on the show because I think they're they're their interview will help. Cat Williams. Right. Cat. Mm. <laughs> yes, Cat Williams. 50 so. and yeah. Robert Smith. Yes. Yes. Ooh, that's a good one. Yes. Them three would be Rob. great on here just because of their dope. stories. Absolutely. Either one of them would be great. All three. We finna make it happen. We gonna yeah. work Season on three. It. I'm gonna beg for y'all. They, there you yeah. go. Come on, you gotta do I'll it, man. Yeah. 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 yeah, Jack Goody begging too. He about yeah. to, as soon as we get off camera, he's gonna start begging. <laughs> I had begging. a begging segment, but it wasn't going well. <laughs> he gonna start he gonna start begging as soon as we get off the he he wanna he, he wanna get on that big screen, Dion. Yeah, I'm ready. Anyone is gonna help you get a scene, it'll be the person we interviewing today. Told you, Pee Wee Kirkland, man. We gotta do that. I'm ready. You gotta be a part of that. I'm ready. That's going to so. be amazing, man. Yes. Well, Deion so, Taylor, uh, man, we appreciate you, man. Thank your you, brother. Time. Appreciate bro. you, man. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me, man. Love to see so, your journey, man. man. And like I said, getting a chance to meet you a long time ago when shit wasn't going good and just to see you be able to persevere and now have everything of your own with you and Roxanne and your team have built this beautiful, man. And again, how you... When you say you're going to do something, you do it. When you, when you mentor, when you open those doors, it's a family environment and we don't get that all the time, especially in, a, in, in this Hollywood shit. So, man, we want to... Thank you for being you. Thank you for coming through and uh, keep being great, man. Oh, man. Appreciate you, yeah. man. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. That's a wrap. Deion Taylor. You can catch this on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform, Black Effects. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. This is All a Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and iHeart Radio in partnership with Showtime. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.